afraid of grafters. You're kicking now! Ding, ding. Kicking it normal. Cheers, dude. Thanks Cheers. for having me. Oh, I got these bloody papers. I know, yeah. It's like <laughs> a lip full of paper. Or give myself a serious paper cup during the interview. Uh, oh, it's all good. It's all pals here. I can deal with Bloody that. lips and nothing mm. to be worried about. So, Owen, welcome to Parade Hi, of Grafters. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, so owner of Against the Grain Bar, but you said earlier you were uh, in a rush to get here because you were stuck at the distillery. <laughs> yeah. What Ju the hell's that about? Just double juggling things as per usual, really. Um, <laughs> so I started working with two lads, Dan and John, who um, really kindly put me up with a job during lockdown when everything bottomed out. Um, so I'd previously been a GM at a nightclub and I just wasn't sure whether out of lockdown, you know, was a nightclub, was it gonna survive? Was it gonna be the job it was when I got back? Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically I just went off on my own. I started up a kitchen during lockdown and then when that got tough because the whole world and his friends started up take out kitchens and- Of course. I just thought, you know what, I'll have a break. And then as soon as I made the decision to take a step back and have some time off, um, Dan and John who run Hedonist Bar, oh, yeah, the liquor yeah. studio in Leeds City Centre, they basically just got in touch, asked if I wanted to come and help them out during lockdown. And I hit it off from there really. So for all I've had a bit of a bar background and a brewery background, it was the first time I'd ever really got to work with a distillery. Yeah. And that's what they do day to day. Um, so it was just, extra learning for me keeping my brain active where i think a lot of people had started working remotely from home yeah i just don't know that would drive me but mad just quickly because i guess most people well a lot of people might not know what the hell a distillery is yeah so you you are making yeah so um john is uh, a massive inspiration to me to be fair he's a local lad um he's been distilling spirits for various businesses, but he started at a Porto, which okay. is like a massive, Leeds you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was GM there and he worked his way up in that company. Um, and I believe he was maybe part of the start of what became Portobello Road Gin. Oh, Because sure. it was yeah, the yeah. same group back then. We had those guys come up to um, give us training at, uh, funnily enough, Northern Monk. Oh, crazy. Had yeah, a, yeah. They know I had a, had a couple of training sessions with the Portobello Road guys. Um, sound as fuck, mm. fellas. Um, always really fun getting trained. Yeah, man. Well, well cocktail, well, gin training, any, any tr booze training is going <laughs> to be a fucking great day out. John and Dan are professional booze boys. Like, they're just absolutely brilliant at what they do. They know everything about it. And for me, it was just a great place to learn some new stuff and just push my own learning a little bit further in areas that I'd never had any experience before really so so what are you making then what, what do um, they make yeah so we essentially I suppose our stance at the minute is we're creating liquids for people who can't do it themselves and um, we've got a little bit of a niche where we can output smaller amounts where you go to a big commercial distillery mm -hmm. you're talking about like yeah, we can produce you 100,000 litres, but you've got to find somewhere to store it. And to most oh, okay, yeah. startup businesses or people who want to do their own spirits, you know, they don't have that kind of space. They don't have that kind of investment money. We are much, much smaller and we work hard to kind of work with basically low, low minimum orders and then try and make it accessible for people to come in. And then we'll push it to say a thousand liters rather yeah. than a hundred thousand liters. <laughs> so it's going really well, man. We've like some really gin? Uh, yeah gin, and uh, we've started blending rums uh, down the line. We'd love to, uh, you know, look at whiskies. Um, 
looking into the whole technicalities of barrel aging and actually being good at it not just doing it for the sake of doing yeah, it but yeah. just understanding everything about what we're touching is that's key for us i think we don't want to you know dilute the quality of it like john's worked i think for 10 or 12 years in the background distilling so this is now his baby yeah. he, he wants it to be as good as it can be so for me i've got the highest respect for him he's you know him and dan have got this off the ground whilst running a bar they run a marketing agency for you know some really big brands in mm. the in, in the in the field of drinks and hospitality um so this is just another part of their little thing and, and what's it called again um so <clears throat> the the business is hedonist drinks agency okay and the bar's hedonist bar and then they've got another business called liquor studio and it's just this big organization that they both run there's about six of us in total run it for them okay um and yeah we're just you know busy all the time yeah yeah no Which actually is, i wanted to get that into the mix because you just mentioned it earlier and i had no idea you were working in a fucking distillery <laughs> yeah oh, honestly it's like it's been amazing like in all of my work that i've done in hospitality i've never been sent on any training really yeah and that's crazy because i've been general <laughs> manager of sites and yeah you're selling booze day in day out yeah uh, and, and me not knowing you know everything about what i'm selling it doesn't fill me with confidence it doesn't make me you know sure that i'm good at my job so yeah. it's just another way of me getting some experience and these guys were happy to take me on yeah so yeah it's cool man like it is like being in a, a, a DIY band. It's a it's a business where they've learned how to do things themselves, and they've just let me <laughs> just be a part playing, of the ride, <laughs> playing, doing basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that was uh, a large part of what I picked up from the Portobello Road training was um, the sort of the inside baseball of just learning how these products are, are made. Yeah, um, the reasoning behind all of the sort of the ingredients, the sort of the existence of juniper berries. Yeah, um, just big time. I've, I just I, you know it's all washed over my head because there was a lot of booze had that night but uh it's <laughs> yeah it's and plus i'm out of the industry a couple of years now so uh but it's it's as you say it's uh, the training that's necessary to properly sell basically yeah. what it is you're selling day in day out i think there's a massive appeal for me going from um i worked in a retail environment but i'd always been in independent bands and there's some creativity there that you don't get when you work for a corporate retailer yeah and yeah. what's really really nice about the hospitality end that I worked for, it was always independent. So you're literally just thrown all the autonomy in the world and gone, you know, we need to make money now. How do we do it? And I feel like, you know, John and Dan, they've they've had the same end of the spectrum, but always worked for bars. So for me to come in at my age and have two guys literally go, we need help. We think you can do it. Do you want to come and work with us? Is mm. like, yeah, that's like for me. That's you may as well send me to uni on a free course. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, I was like hungry to learn, and I've been with them a year and a half now. That was. Do you know what? That was something I was wanting to touch on with you. The and you just said it there. The hungry to learn element. Cause I remember when you when you started at um, Santiago Bar, and it was that was the one thing that i took away was when you were trying to pick up the the cocktails and oh yeah you really threw yourself into like learning the cocktail. <laughs> because you know it's it's santi's it's a dive bar and it's like it's you can get away with just you know i've, I've served on the bar there and it's i i am the worst in the world at cocktails <laughs> yeah you I, say that and then <laughs> no 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 no, no, no. It's, it's 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 a no for me but um but point being you don't you can you can just about get by without really and it was that thing where you you really threw yourself into like right we're doing the cocktails now and it was i think you even tried to like get me to 
yeah. picking up at some point. But I, uh, I, it, I think it's for me. It's like learning cocktails and understanding mortgages. They're just never going to click with me. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that's definitely something you should work on. Understanding mortgage. That's oh. like one of the best learning curves I've ever had. Jesus. <laughs> yes, Santis is like that was baptism by fire, really, because. That was your first gig one. Yeah, yeah, big time. Uh, that was uh, Dave gave me the opportunity who owns that. And that was where, you know, I'd gone there as a consumer and <laughs> experienced, you know, these best, like the, the Paul Handleys and Johnny Shaws, who were guys I looked up to because they were, you know, they were slinging drinks. They were bartenders. Yeah, yeah. They were, it was like going into, you know, like the bar in Roadhouse. <laughs> they, they were my guys. Um, yeah. And I knew them from playing in bands and it was literally... I wanted a big change. I'd worked in a, a corporate environment for nearly 16 years since I'd left uni. Mm. And I was just like, no, 12, that, 12 years since I left uni, sorry. Um, I worked for a retailer called Fat Face. Um, I did oh, 10 I years know. with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Then I went to work for Toyota. Is it Rugger Buggers on tour buying the same clothes <laughs> Yeah, the yeah surf clothes, man. That's yeah, the way forward. Yeah. Rich surf clothes. <laughs> um, but that, again, I thought 10 years in, I, I was getting bored of doing the same thing. And then when I left, it wasn't until I saw comparative places. I worked for a few different retailers before I even hit Toyota. And you know, you don't realize what you've got until it's gone. And yeah. I, was, I, I was literally working for probably one of the most successful independents that grew into a big high street retailer. But I joined when there were like, I think about 66 stores. And in, in six years, they, they tripled in size to 180. Wow. And then by the time I left, there were 224 stores just in the UK with probably one of the most loyal customer bases ever. So like I had this customer service element in my training and I think just the second going to somewhere like Santis, mm. you know, it's a punk rock bar. I was going to say this, it's, it's a little oil and water there. It's yeah, yeah, it's like, it's Marmite for some because you walk in, if you're into rock and metal and you like that vibe, yeah. it's heaven. Yeah, yeah. But then you would get like 20 or 30 people across the night walk in and walk out because they didn't find what they were looking for. Yeah. And I suppose the cocktail element, you know, there's a lot of people that drink in fruity drinks. <laughs> and well, that was all I saw. I thought we could definitely make an extra £6.50 every transaction here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember uh, oh, Bad Apples? Um, there was the quote from Bad Apples. See if, see if we can both get it. Oh, man. I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't even remember. I think it's in the motto. It probably is now, yeah. It was. Um, did, do you know it? That was a cool bar. Mark Howes ran that. I yeah, yeah. Him. Bad apples is missed. But um, it was. So the story was that um, it was uh, Lado from uh, Black Moth. Dom. Dom Dominic. Dominique from uh, Black Moth. Yeah, legend. Serving, Great drummer. Great drummer. Serving uh, at Bad Apples. A couple comes in, asks for a glass of reds, see what they have. And Dom just turns to him in the face and says, uh, wrong bar, mate. <laughs> and that was basically it. Yeah. From then, it was just... Cut yeah, to the chase. <laughs> wrong bar, mate. Sorry. It's, and as you say, it's some people, you, you walk into Santis, and if you're not looking for that vibe, then it's you're going to be straight out again. But if yeah. you do go in there and you stay for a drink, as you say, it's uh, they've kind of made their bones uh, yeah. with, with the weird cocktails. Like, what's the horse arsehole? Yeah, the shot yes. that they do, yeah, yeah. which is fabulous. Is the, I think, <laughs> I, friends of from London, especially for that. Yeah, uh, who doesn't love a horse arsehole? But uh, I the, totally agree. I've, you know, I, I couldn't even make that today, and I must have served probably about a thousand of them in the, yeah. the year I was there. But they've they've really kind of like taken a hold of. I think it's the 
kind of fun cocktails. There's like a jammy Dodger one they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's lots of like just white Russians were dead popular, probably because of the Big Lebowski. Yeah, People are yeah. Into that kind Duda of Bides. Yeah, exactly. There was a Black Death shot that they used to do. That that sounds that, heavy. That was the night that we fed your um, sweets to the uh, your money box. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a fun night. <laughs> there's a money box behind me. Oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> pops up and takes a coin. We'll we'll edit this bit yeah, out. I like that. <laughs> Look. But is it uh, a lucky cat they call them? Uh for I me it has remember. been. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Storing your, your savings nice and safe. <laughs> but yeah, I totally forgot you did the burger thing as well during lockdown. I did a few things during lockdown, man. Like it was what? Just, so you did so the burger thing. That was what? Yeah. Slanging burgers from home I, or? I, I went self employed about a year and a half before lockdown which meant when lockdown came for all like the guys I worked for in the nightclub district like they really took care of me but um, I literally thought well if this goes on a year and a half like I can't expect them to keep a self-employed person on like it just doesn't make business sense so I lived with a a gentleman called Rani who owns a company called Jarjot literally one of the best Indian cooks you're ever going to meet massive massive love for the yeah. jar for the rani for oh, the whole crew yeah and like we were just living together at the time and i didn't realize you lived with rani yeah so due oh, to a I few fucking love that guy s- sadly it was due to health issues um yes, and yeah. just business with lockdown that we ended up uh living together and um we became really good friends in when you live with someone who can cook that well and you're in a hospitality <laughs> background it just makes sense to try something and um, like i said i was self-employed um, i fitted in that gap where there wasn't any support because i hadn't had three years history oh, um, course, yeah. so it was just like make or break and then um, funny enough it was he was in the assembly rooms in leeds city center yeah and he couldn't work there during the lockdown so basically we ended up um trying to just set up a kitchen out of northern monk and I think it was Ted Andrassi who yeah. had Northern Monk at the time. It was literally a phone call. I've got an idea. It's a kitchen. Is he, is he at uh, Donna Summer now? Yep. He's cool. moved across to Donna Summer. I I've, think. Um, I miss that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's cool as fuck. A- absolute legend. Like, literally yeah. spoke to him the other day. He's just a genius. A fountain of knowledge in that scene, whether it be beers or whatever. Fucking anything. Yeah. He's just absolutely fantastic. And I just put it to him, like, I think we've got a really good idea for a kitchen can we come and utilize the northern monk space because it's a big kitchen it wasn't yeah. being used during lockdown and he literally sorted us out in two weeks which when you've got no money coming in at all yeah is the is a lifesaver thing so like ted andrassi good man no ted andrassi <laughs> he, he hooked me up with a job when i absolutely needed it yeah so, uh, yeah i yeah. mean big kudos to him and if he props, sees this props, yeah, props <laughs> yeah. to the industry. cheers mate <laughs> cheers to ted uh, but yeah i believe he is with donna summer again another really great creative brand who I think they focus on the vegan crowd and like they it's, uh, vegan junk food is their sort of yeah, tagline. But they've actually they've designed their own food, haven't they? That's yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They they, 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 they literally well, make it themselves. Yeah, they um, for a while they were getting a lot of their business from um, making up meat substitutes and then selling it to other businesses around the country. Nice. And as I understand it, that was like a very big part of their business and probably how they kind of got then to um, franchise out. So they had a spot in I think Hull. Uh, Hull, Leeds, Sheffield, possibly. possibly I think they've got can... like six sites now. No, you're, sorry, not Sheffield, York. 
Um, I think Newcastle was in the mix, but um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It's, yeah. a, it's a really cool looking brand. Um, they do great food and they've just, yeah, they've hit the market with exactly what, how it needs to be done, yeah. basically. I, I think if you, can, if you can produce your own um, sort of the core ingredients of what you're going to be doing in, a, in an industry with um, the veggie food where it's so like pricey as a motherfucker to yeah. be buying it in. So uh, if you can do, make it yourself from raw, you're absolutely winning. Oh yeah, definitely. And also it's just another like kudos to them for having that creative side to them, being able to produce an actual product. Yeah, yeah. That does tick the boxes and isn't just, you know, a tasteless thing that's meant to be an alternative. I think they're doing a really good job by the sounds of it. So. Oh hell yeah. So yeah, so Santis, from Santis, I believe it was Northern Monk? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, okay. Nicholas Pounder who Oh yeah, who was ex Verve? He was GM of, not Reform, Mean-Eyed Cat. Mean-Eyed Cat, cool. So I think he's a revolution background. So again, really well trained. Because yeah, they're obviously yeah. big money in there. Um, but with his background, went into an independent. And I believe, well, I know Nick back to back and he's helped me out. He'll come up a lot in this conversation. Yeah, well, Nick's, um, Nick's also helped out the, uh, weirdly, the Donna Summer guys. Yeah, yeah, big time. So, yeah. So those links are all over. Yeah, um, incestuous leads. Have but, a shot? Yeah, yes, please. You have a shot? <laughs> you don't have to, Nicole. Nice little boilermaker going on. Oh, I like your tankard shot glasses, they're cool. Courtesy of May Morgans. My, gra <laughs> my grandma, when she died, mum was like, right, it's, you've got to go in. If you, see, if you see anything in the house that you want to take as a memento, then you know this is your moment to remember your grandmother. And a little shot tree, so. Yeah, that's cool. It's bloody great. I'd like to have something like this in my bar. Baby shots. Oh, I've got uh, got an even cooler shot, fella, just in the fireplace behind us. I've got a really cool thing about uh, JD. What what do you smell when you smell JD? Sweat. What do you smell? <laughs> <laughs> Regret. Is it sweet sweet sweat? Yeah, it's sweet. But do you smell anything at all, in particular, like any fruit notes, wood notes? I get honey, and like a no. No, I'm I get maple. I'm do a you, drinker. Do, do, you, do you get banana? No. no, you've told me this before. I think uh, all oh. I get is banana, and my, so my Mrs. Amy said this to me. She was like, "Oh, all I ever smell is banana when I smell JD, and I cannot not smell banana now." Oh. Cheers, Whiskey guys. Everywhere. You'll never not smell it. It almost reminds me of those, um, the foam bananas you get at oh, the Oh, Jesus, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Santiago into Northern Monk, yeah. Northern Monk Refectory. So, Northern Monk obviously is craft brewery based up in Leeds. Um, actually, it's Cracker Beer. We have a few down here. Given our past, oh, I've decided <laughs> we're going to go with a few. Uh, Northern Monks today. Um, if you want to take us through how you ended up there, and I'll crack these. Yeah, so um, DIY punk rock bar, and um, obviously you cut your teeth there, you learn everything you can, and then when you get hungry for something else, I think it was Nick that actually asked if I fancy going across to Northern Monk as a supervisor, so that was definitely something I knew nothing about. <laughs> Craft beer, if it wasn't, I was literally stellar 
and shots of JD or shots of Jaeger. That was that was pretty much my diet on a night out. Same. Um, and then if I was getting a little bit fancy, I might have like Jameson's and ginger ale after midnight, <laughs> just to take the edge off all the Stella. Um, wow, what is that beetroot and? I have no idea. I, I picked it up because I figured it would be a fun one to try. It looks like Dracula's blood, man. Dracula's blood. That's cool. Oh, um, so this is apparently a raspberry? silky oat and wheat pale ale with sour summer raspberry, oh, yeah. coolies, and sweet earth, earthy beetroot. Sweet earthy beetroot. Um, 4.5% raspberry and beetroot smoothie beer. What were you saying? You can taste the beetroot it's, and, and the oats. Yeah. Ooh. I can really smell the raspberry and then taste the almost the vegetable that, like the, it the actually tastes nice <laughs> yeah like the mouthfeel on it it's like got a, a really decent like roundedness to it digestive biscuit <laughs> yes yeah, it's like earthy but fruity at the same time a nice balance of it I'm yeah. down with that I like anything that's a bit unusual and not a high ABV if it's like one of these eight to thirteen percent beers is lost on me. I'm kind of I just fall asleep. I need, I need the percentage. <laughs> Do it's, you? Uh, wow. well, no, for me, it's uh, it's a principle thing that like if they're going to be charging me six quid a can, they best fucking be s at least six percent, basically. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's almost like a pound a percent, I think. <laughs> these days, that's what it feels like. So that like. example, at the very least. But um, yeah, so Northern Monk, um, Nick got you in there. Yeah, Nick took me across there, and it was very much from day one you know you are an extension of the brewery you are selling the brewery's beer yes so you need to know everything about that and they were to be fair it was a quick learning curve and um, you're very hands-on there i think we were one of the first teams in there that ended up doing brewery tours and i actually had to take a few which i thought was the almost the biggest con on the market because i knew nothing about beer but the guys were so knowledgeable in fact there's a guy to this day that always helps me out if i need any knowledge and Adam, who is the head brewer oh, yeah. of the Flax Store site, is yeah, just yeah. the absolute dude. He, Adam he's is one of the loveliest guys. <laughs> yeah, ever, one of the nicest basically. guys. And sometimes I just don't even know if he knows how good he is at what he does. Think, <laughs> did he get married recently? Yeah, Vass. Yeah, Vass, yeah, yeah. yeah Vass. Again, them, both like, of them are just sound. fantastic couple. Vass works. Is it the sales side at Northern Monk? I, I think she actually does um, European import and export for Northern Monk now, which is a, nice. a big deal. Like they've gone worldwide. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, tell you what, though, I remember um, getting up to speed on the the situation with import laws into California. Oh God, have you seen about that? Because no. I think it's because. Um, Alcohol is a technically a carcinogen. Okay, yeah, yeah. So there's certain restrictions, and it's only California, I think. If you're importing booze into California, there are like sort of super heightened restrictions in oh, place, okay, or at least yeah. like loopholes of things you have to adhere oh, to, or put things on the label. Or... Above my head. Oh, entirely. But it's, <laughs> yeah. it's always fascinating learning about now. them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so you get in on board a Northern Monk. Yep. Uh, straight into that uh, was with them until I thought. I can't learn anymore. Where next? And so, but didn't you? Did you rise to assistant manager there, or were you just bar staff? No, it was just between me and Nick. He just kept putting me in places. If I asked for something, okay. he'd let me figure it out. Yeah. Um, there was a lot going on. Northern Monk <sighs> grew me. very fast, like yeah. exceedingly quick, even in the time I was there. And then I think I left. I, I because of money reasons, not because of the company. I had to basically 
looked for another job and that was when I got my first GM role or general manager role in hospitality um, which was Norman me, Bar not Norman's yeah I was going to say and one of the reasons trying to jump in like an Owen fanboy yeah no history. I love that you know that like that's incredible <laughs> you've got such a good memory um, one reason for me that I jumped quite quickly was because when I was growing up, a lot of my mates, they, they got to positions, they were in, you know, the day they left uni, they were on a graduate job, and then they stayed yeah. in that job, and they went up and up and up. Yeah, and I yeah. left uni, I was in bands, playing in two bands, gigging two or three times a week for about six or seven years. And luckily, I worked with my best mate in a big retail store that, you know, we did the money, we were, we were an ambassador store, so um, a lot of people would always ask me, you know, like, are you gonna work in retail forever? And I was like, I love my job, I love the company, I get to work with my best mate. I think I inducted like 60 staff in, and managers throughout like a UK wide company mm. and I was like 24, 25 and they just were like, fair enough, they were like, don't fuck this up but we'll give you an opportunity and you just run with it, don't you? Like if someone puts something in front of you and enjoy it, you just, you do your best effort and um, yeah, like. Oh, sorry, but that was great. I was like in a very, very fortunate position, but just wanted to change because I thought in my head, 10 years in the same company, I've not experienced anything else. Yeah. So I jumped ship and then you, you jump ship and you realize actually, I, I had a pretty good deal where I was, but it also gave me a kick up the ass to learn. And yeah. that was why when I hit hospitality, I thought, if I'm gonna be a decent GM, I need to learn it from the ground up. So actually when I started at Santiago's, I was working part-time for Urban Outfitters Okay. And I was working part time for Santiago's until Dave, the owner, was like, right, there's the keys. You and Sedna are going to run it. <laughs> and you, all of a sudden, you've got to make a decision. I either keep working 60 hours between both jobs mm. or go full time at one of them. And that was where I just thought, you know what, let's do it. And 32 years old, started a new career. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people thought was a bit weird. But for me, it kept me busy, man. Like I'd always played in numerous bands at the same time as having a full-time job, always done a lot of traveling. So it was like to work and fill the time. Yes. It didn't just made sense. And I think to get where I am in six years, I'm personally really, really happy. Oh God. Um, yeah, yeah. Feels like, you know, made some big sacrifices time-wise, but the progression was quite clear to me. I'd worked in a DIY bar. I'd worked for a massive top 10 UK craft ale brewery. Uh, I worked for one of the biggest nightclubs in Leeds in terms of its profile. Yes. Not so much capacity, but tell you oh, what. Oh, no, 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 yeah, but. You know, we do 13 yeah. grand in a night selling brandy and Coke, <laughs> which is an incredible feat. You know, six bartenders just back to back slinging drinks is yeah. awesome. Uh, in a small, you know, like it's only maybe five or six times bigger than this room yeah it's crazy and then district was you know minimalist underground house it was the weirdest cv ever but to me it ticked a lot of boxes and so how long were you at normans then uh a year and a half okay wow okay i, I thought it was shorter than that for some reason uh year and a half at normans yeah. and then i left and four months after i left i left because was that because they were closing because they closed at some point didn't they they closed but they didn't want to close um so a, a new gm took it on after i left so yeah. when i'd gone on board i took it over from a guy called matt cliff who again massive inspiration to me you know he'd been there 15 years and this place yeah. had been when it opened it was the hottest place to go it was you know disco funk live djs it was the coolest place and as time went on and it changed and it adapted 
it became you know quite a heavy bottle service bar big groups of lads partying and yeah it was just overrun with people who maybe didn't respect it for what it was originally and i think that particular area of leeds for 12 weeks on the trot i think there was like eight stabbings and two fatalities on that road yeah it was the only bar i've, I've ever worked where i've been physically like yeah. accosted oh yeah some big dude time. put his hands around my fucking throat and it's yeah. like and you can't do a thing in that situation because you're literally surrounded so oh it's, it's mad like yeah. i think when you're surrounded by people on drugs and booze <laughs> yeah and like bear oh, in mind time yeah i'd be driving home most nights so like quite a lot of the time i was there sober and yeah. i was always oh, yeah yeah not wanting to drink because if something happened yeah i'd end up talking to the police halfway through the night so i think i wouldn't i wouldn't have drank on a norman's shift yeah and i think like it was either just put up with it or drink to get through it yeah and um, it's just one of those bars man like i have to say when when i look back on it i met some great people there and matt was definitely one of them he always loved all the staff even like when it was um the sort of temporary uh, just bar back and stuff some of those yeah. lads are just fucking great yeah, guys yeah yeah hilarious man but it's like if you work in Core Lane you're a fucking grafter yeah so you, you, you're either a grafter or you're gonna fuck off real quick <laughs> um, you either survive or you don't survive I it's hardcore it. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so uh, a year and a half and then that was interestingly enough the first bar I worked where the relationship between the security was almost more important than the relationship between the team members yeah um and that was because there were so many incidents but thankfully for all it had a reputation when i was there a lot of those incidents were outside so we would get the flack but realistically i know on the incident reports Mm. it was it was outside so in terms of the police and my profile as a as a license holder you know i was looked upon quite nicely by yeah. the local authorities which is awesome and i think we had this a similar run at district like it's it's this underground playground and everything goes down there and it's amazing but you know what everyone takes care of each other everyone's safe like we never had any major incidents at district very different crowd but it's just the funnest place yeah. i got real fond memories on everything but when i left i was it was time to go so how long are you at district then? uh district again because that's gonna be in a minute i think i joined there in the February and I think I stayed right up until the next like so mid lockdown so probably like another year and a half oh okay that was pre just yeah, leading yeah. into lockdown I think I've then. been in hospitality about six years five and a half years six years yeah yeah I think so then it was so it was basically oh, dis- <laughs> district then lockdown then as you said the uh, sort of yeah we did that uh, so food. yeah did like a vegan Indian street food kitchen yeah and Ranny's like you know he's award-winning he's absolutely fantastic and he, he only doesn't do it because of his health unfortunately yeah um yeah. I, I wish i could have been the answer to get that thing going but it's not like there's other things at play and i think it's just a hard time to be operating and um, we've yeah. seen it with hospitality is, he, is it is it all right to talk publicly is, um, he, is he good or yeah we catch up every now and then i think he's just managing it i think if anything it's just standing up for like chef's work like 12 hour shifts oh god yeah yeah and and it's the heat and it's the stress as well and it's it's everything he's he's got the he's got the heart and the energy it's just physically yeah yeah it can't be done i think when you're in that much pain and that was a a a tough ride man you're talking about like a real good friend of mine and you're watching every shift Mm. the harder we work yeah yeah the worse he feels it's it's a shitty one because um i worked alongside him for a long time and it's not a long time but a, a minute and it's uh they, they it do. is a snapshot when you look at it 
but like I think we worked together we ran a business for eight months together during yeah. lockdown and we were like on, on two or three members of staff you know we were turning over I think some of the figs were like four grand a week and nice. you're looking at it going like you know it's it feels good to see the figures given that me Rani a guy called Ant in the kitchen like I was going to say yeah, Ant, yeah, yeah awesome dude like really good friends of him Schnitzfest. you know Schnitzfest yeah yeah <laughs> I always forget I always uh, stumble on the uh, the pronunciation yeah me too Schnitzfest <laughs> um, but it was a, a trio where we really worked hard to get something moving when everyone was feeling the pinch do you know what I mean yeah. it was you didn't know what was the the, the correct way to operate um, even within the venue Northern oh with, we with regards to Covid you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, plus then you think the pressure that we were under because of health issues yeah and it was mainly that why I stepped away like we opened a second business which was son of a bun so oh, that, yes. that was the yeah. burger joint I think you referred yeah, to yeah. before and when there's only three of you plus part-timers all of a sudden you realize like these 60 to 70 hour weeks for all it looks great on Instagram yeah it's not worth it physically or how mentally do you, how did you deal with the deliveries then do you have to like deal with just delivery or just do it yourself or pay yeah, a bit, or? bit of everything we tried everything anything to keep the figures turning over yeah because it's and amazing then, to me that like you you did a fucking food delivery company too <laughs> what yeah. like how do you even do, yeah na how, how it, it do went you just, national as well which is like you've, you've got no you've got no <laughs> background in how the hell do you make I mean I guess it speaks to the as you say the background in the DIY music and just the, yeah. the mindset of you just do it because it's a thing that it, I guess can be done so you just do it and kind of work it out along the way yeah it guaranteed if COVID hadn't happened I think a lot of us wouldn't have been pushed to think about new ways of yeah. making our businesses work yeah, yeah. Um, these little levers to turn a new revenue stream Mm. you know that was like magic to my ears because I had to hop jobs to survive mm. but I had to work with people who had a creative streak to work out how to bring money in and I'll tell you what like when like if running a kitchen isn't hard enough to have someone like Rani say oh well why don't we just ship it nationally <laughs> <laughs> and you're like I get what you're saying because he, he has a car dealership background so I work for Toyota as well. Okay. And like that was how you made more sales. Like if there was an interest in a, a car online, it's yeah, like, well, yeah. how do we get that to that customer as quick as possible? And again, you go, well, it's food. It's got to be treated the right way. It's got to be manufactured into something that can be posted. Then you've got to get DPD or DHL to go, yeah, guys, this looks <laughs> safe. Um, and that's whilst you're buying stock, running a kitchen, running an Instagram or social media. Like, and again, we're not pros at this we're just figuring it out as we go but yeah like he's the guy with the drive to pull something like that together because he he was doing um like uh more of an ingredients based version as well whilst he was doing yeah we uh, we take a, a finished meal that people were aware of through his brand already like whether it be a, a curry that he'd made or won an award with or a um and, and we would basically give you the choice, like what ingredients would you like to see in your curry? And we'll send you the instructions and the individual that parts. That was what you were doing as well? That was your yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, Oh, okay, cool. Cause yeah, I, yeah. I, I'd known that he was doing that with what he was doing from Northern Monk. Um, just literally just sending out, here's the spices, here's the bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. And what's the, is it like Kitchen Chef, one of the, some sort of subscription company that there's loads of these online companies that do it now oh, where they yeah. send out the ingredients. So it's, I think that was the first time I'd seen um, 
essentially, yeah, like a DIY approach, just an independent approach to this kind of seemingly established, um, I guess it's kind of a startup approach, that whole, we'll sign up to our website and we'll post out the yeah. ingredients type thing. My brother, it's, it's one of these schemes or uh, products where you, people get lynched into it by uh, the free offer type thing. So my brother said, oh, I'll, we, we signed up and we, box exactly, free. yeah, we've got the yeah. first box and we're going to do a few meals and see how it works. Um, do you remember 90s kids? You might not be in South Africa. Um, fuck, what were they called? There was this CD club in the 90s. Did you have that shit? No and way. It was, no, but I remember it from British music publications that I used to buy. Yeah, and it would be like, you'd, you'd get like on the back of a music magazine, it would be like an advert with a bunch of CDs, all of the new CDs. And you, you sign up to the club, Britannia, Britannia Music yeah. Club, I think it was wow, called. I don't remember that. Britannia Music Club, I'm talking like 90s, mid 90s, early 90s. And you pay them a tenner and then you get 10 CDs, but then you're committed to buying a CD a month yeah. through their CD club thing. Um, but it was a way of, as a kid, like sort of establishing a cool library of music, like instantaneously. Yeah. So like it was just sort of, Pearl Jam, White Zombie, Nirvana, Soundgarden. That sounds awesome. I don't know how I missed that. I yeah, I remember I got my I got <laughs> my order in. in the, I, it must have been '95 because from the sort of the albums that I picked out, it was pure '95 era grunge metal type stuff. But wow. uh, but yeah, anyway, Ranny. So Ranny's doing that. We get out of lockdown, and uh, suddenly you've got a bar. You're a bar owner out of nowhere. How in the hell does a person own a bar? Uh, again, when you're only five years into the industry. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I think you just surround yourself by people doing those things. It was the same with bands. Like, I think this is where predominantly most of my learning comes from is you look at the band that is getting somewhere yeah. and you just talk to them or you find out, you know, what is it that's put you in the front of people? Is it press or is it, you know, are you just on Instagram all the time? Are you on Facebook? Is it MySpace? Like, how are you? How are you getting numbers through the door? Are people ordering your CDs because it looks like you're busy, but I also know behind the scenes it could be quite the opposite. And, yeah. um, but at what point were you like, I'm going to own a bar and it's uh, going to happen soon? So actually, that was. So I'm 36 now or 37. Oh, you don't like your hell. Well, I was what you were about to say just before. I always forget that you're older than me. I think we're the same age. But you said <laughs> you were ordering CDs in '95. I don't think I heard my first Metallica record till '97. <laughs> so, so there was no way I was subscribing, <laughs> and my mum bought that for me. So, <laughs> got to start somewhere. Exactly, man. Um, yeah, it's just I think I worked for corporate retailers. I went to work for Toyota again, another big corporate brand too. On the front of things are amazing at what they do they're you know the the world's highest volume car dealer mm. but when you're actually part of that big machine it doesn't feel like i was gonna say it's, yeah yeah i always preferred being more hands-on having more control what i've always said with regards to like sort of the uh, the bigger office jobs and just the the you know just working as an employee full stop is that you often there's that sense of fulfillment the the sort of the hands-on seeing something actually transpire from your daily graft yeah. and it feels like we're kind of almost hardwired to need that you mm -hmm. know and you can kind of maybe get it from other areas of your lives but like if you're not kind of receiving that fulfillment from your job then you're gonna try and find it elsewhere and I guess ultimately it might lead to you finding a job elsewhere doing something a bit more fulfilling in yeah, that yeah. area so for but, sure but at I, what point was it like I'm gonna it, own a bar it was literally 
working I say retail you know we worked long hours but it was essentially nine to five I knew what shifts I was on and outside of those shifts I was in a band and that was my so you're talking before you got into the bar industry yeah, you were that, like I'm going to own a bar th that that was literally like I do my job yeah. and then to keep my brain working I I'm in a band which means I get to be creative I write music I get to do gigs we get to organize touring when I was at my nine to five job I always wanted to work at head office I was like, these guys get to design the clothes, they get to bring things in, they get to do all the marketing. When you're in a store and you just are given that stuff and you have to just put it in position, you know, that, yeah, yeah. You know like we had a lot of autonomy, but they, 10 years the in, The decision's go, been no. made for you. This, yeah. is, this is how it should look, this is where it should go. Yeah, and yeah. You, you know certain cogs that you can tweak to bring people through the door, but ultimately you always wanted to know a bit more behind the scenes. Where's my bottle of water gone? Oh man. Bloody hell, I left it over there. Do you want to share mine? I'll show you yours, thank you. <laughs> um, and it was at that point where when I moved job, I just said to myself, well, I want to be self-employed. I want to be in control of those cogs and those yeah. levers. And I was literally, it was literally just, well, food and drink ain't going to go out of fashion. <laughs> so let's get a bar job. So I, I literally went and asked Dave, can, can yeah. I come down and do a bar back shift? And it was just, yeah, yeah, come down, sort me out. Yeah, I'm kind of liking this. And then to end up being full-time at Santi's whilst I still had another job. Yeah. And it was just literally like, I it's think a, it was actually... It's a cool a, fucking thing to be working at Santi's. Oh, mate, it was, it was awesome. Like, yeah, being yeah. a band boy, drinking in a bar yeah. that someone I've, actively wants you to come and be a bartender. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I was, I was a bar back there for years and I never wanted to be a bartender because it was just so much cooler to just float around being a bar back. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, and he was always angling for me. He was like, oh, maybe be a bartender. <laughs> and, and Rosia was, was the same at District. And I, yeah, I, you know, time. you were probably the same at Northern Monk with me. And I, I, I didn't want to be a bartender. I was happy to just be a bar back. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's one of those things like you get to have a good time and you get to <laughs> have a job. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's as simple as that. So the next best thing is to surround yourself with good people. And you mm. are definitely one of those people. That's why, you know, we've always worked together on an office because I think you, you tend to go back to the places you know are good or you go back to the people you know are good and yeah, it just yeah. makes perfect sense i've totally forgot you mentioned something before yeah i, I wanted to get to on. when did you want to fucking own a bar because you're it was literally that's so a 32 so but, like the yeah, second yeah, yeah, i left you, retail, you, had, you hadn't like you'd, you'd kind of said that and then you've i'm going to be a bar back but you hadn't kind of so yeah, you, yeah you it, literally, it was literally if if i have to run my own business yeah. i need to know from the ground up how it works yeah so okay. at Santi's I started as a bar okay, back okay so you consciously you consciously started at Santi's with the end goal yeah, yeah, of yeah. that was it it was okay. right and it's sad to say and you know I've got I, I, I like to think I still get on with everyone I've worked for really really well but I can also understand I, the frustration bip, 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 bip. I think I can speak for the entirety of the lead scene when I say that you are beloved <laughs> that's nice you're too kind <laughs> but the thing is like some of those decisions mean you leave businesses quite quickly which yeah. obviously when it's an independent it's it's not the easiest thing to replace someone who if you, you do know, it the right way though yeah and I, I'm, if you I'm really notice, hoping yeah if, if you just there's the, uh, the, the grafting industry is rife with people that just bounce they just leave and or just don't show up yeah and it's I, like I'm leaving like is one thing leaving is one thing but just not showing up is another yeah and there's a way to leave and there's a way to leave properly and it's like as long as you're doing that and you've done that consistently yeah so. well i think probably corporate background you yeah yeah same for right me. write your letter hand it in four yeah see so <laughs> whatever you need in the next four weeks i'm Let's yours just quickly dive into this before we carry on what this we on? is this year's 
again, Northern Monk. This is oh. their annual Mango Lassie. So they've been doing this for time now. Um, I think it was maybe two or three, three or four, three years ago, maybe. Two years ago, I'm no, going to say. It was when I was working with I Like Press. I was going to say when they so diverged into doing multiples. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they've been doing this for years. Yeah. Um, but then they started doing um, multiple flavors. So they do like the little hold, cheeky photo. The can, oh, let's grab the can. <laughs> yeah. Please, please model the bird. Thank you. There we go. Social media in the house. Um, so they started doing the uh, the Mango Lassie beer and it exploded. Um, then a few years into the mix, they started doing uh, passion fruit. Yeah. I was working Northern Monk when they did the passion fruit mango release and it was a real 50-50. Um, I don't know whether they did, they did fa uh, passion fruit the following year, but this year they've gone balls to the wall with the mango, la well, with the lassie full stop. There's three of them, they've, isn't there? There's three i think there's three flavors and yeah, then the, they've done the mango alcohol free as well oh nice yeah so, like 0.5 version yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i think that's a big thing now is that a lot of the breweries going in with the low abv or no or as you say 0 0.5 yeah man um, you've got to it's like, it's like saying as a restaurant you won't serve vegan food yeah if you're not going to serve non-alcoholic drinks you're a fucking idiot as far as i'm concerned because i'm also that guy like i'll be out at 11 o'clock at night at 2 a.m in the morning because i'm driving home I want a coffee. Yeah. No one has a coffee machine on. <laughs> so at my bar, it stays on till we fucking leave. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just it needs to be considered. And I think if you if you don't serve low alcohol oh. stuff, you're missing an opportunity right. as well. What, what are we saying? I'm you're, surprised. Is it like, wet? What, well, what I've noticed it is it looks like pure fucking juice. It does literally. So what I was about to say is, I think mango is on a massive what's the word trend at the minute because every brew is part of mango beer okay but it's not a bad trend no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, 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 I like trying each one yeah um, what are you saying I'm, I, I prefer it with a bit of a head on it yeah it's not yeah hard, but I think this is the fad at the minute is of that keg 20% of its juice yeah you can taste the amount of mango that's in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's but it's not a, seen amount of It's 7% of those as well. I'm pretty it sure it's... It doesn't taste like a 7 No. Is it 7? I can't even see it because I think that's... But I, I do know this. I would say to Northern Monk that is one aspect to the uh, the labelling that needs optimising is the uh, sort of... Yeah, there we go. Well, Heathen's yeah. usually 7.2, isn't it? 7.2, yeah, yeah. 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 7.2. Yeah. Just it the... doesn't taste like a 7.2. But I will say that white copy on a yellow background is not the one <laughs> for accessibility perspective. Yeah, no. That's just my... That, when I... For my uh, 9 to 5 uh, uh, on the online sort of marketing stuff, it's... Uh, Online accessibility is just this huge geek point for me of just making sure that the blind folk can actually see what the fuck will see, well, interact with what the fuck they want to interact yeah, with, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the partially uh, partially compromised, uh, as I say, white copy on a yellow background is not the one. Not happening. <laughs> Northern Monk have got like there was this one uh, death, one of their beers, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Imperial Stout, black on black. Literally, the label is black on black, and it's like as cool as it looks. It's also kind of like. Yeah, but uh, what can you I do? I love that you're interested in that stuff. That's the stuff that I'm like really interested about. I know nothing of how to create. Oh, dude! <laughs> you, I tell you what, if you want to have your mind blown, uh, videos of blind people on YouTube um, using screen readers. So, because the screen reader technology uh, packages like Jaws, uh, there's Google and Apple have their own oh sort God. of like native versions of it. But you just set this running and it'll read off the entirety of a website um, and the blind person then obviously knows how to, or the visually compromised knows how to, 
I never know what to say. It's like disabled is even a term where you feel like, ah, fuck, is that going to... I don't know. Visually compromises. I, uh, compromise feels a horrible term, though. I understand no, said, yeah. I, I was raised in the blind community, and I still don't know how to speak about yeah, these yeah, fucking no, things. Fair. But, um, yeah, so the, uh, they, they read through the site, but because, um, you know, that aspect of heightened senses, senses I yeah, guess, yeah. and it, you kind of think it's bullshit, but you see this in action, it's like, no, it ain't. The speed at which it reads through, it's just like, and the guy was kind of presenting it, it's like, right, I'll slow this down so everybody else can understand it. <laughs> and he kind of slows and slows and slows, and it'll gradually get to like a really fast version. But basically, the point is, they're superhuman. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Have you ever tried it's amazing. even figuring out Braille on your fingers? If you no look at like way. three dots, and I try and figure it with my fingertip, I'm like, I can't even make out one dot. It all just seems like one lump to me. No. So to think that that is that sensitive, I think is incredible. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, as I say, raised in the blind community, you, you learn a hell of a lot about how people can adjust to living in this yeah, yeah. sighted world. It's a crazy thing, but... Uh, it's so interesting and... Good. I'm, I'm glad there's um, accessibility things like that available because well, really they are quite literally like legal requirements. If you yeah, put good. a website online, it's legally required to hit. Um, it's like the WCAG, the the Worldwide Consortium for Accessibility Guidelines, and there's about seventy hit points you've got to you've got to go across um, to make sure that your site's accessible. Yeah, that's you amazing. can be you can be sued. There's like Disney have been hit by million dollar lawsuits. All of the biggest companies in the world have been hit by million dollar lawsuits. But no one gives a fuck because why would you give a fuck? It's it's a hassle to do it on a web development perspective, and there's no real downsides as far as they can see. But anyway, that's an aside into my boring. Yeah, world but of, that's interesting. It's probably because they don't have to deal with it on a day to day basis. Yes. Yeah, and it's uh, the the this, the disabled folk known as the Purple Pound, and it's like billions of pounds. So it's uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you bet. If, if you could make it available. And it can be done easily. Like you just do it in light because it's a little bit of work or yeah. a little bit of money. It's all, all, all or just overshadowed. White on yellow. You're not asked about yeah, fixing it. I mean, it's because the yellow even, label looks even cool. Even those who can see can't see that, so it's not working for anyone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's yeah. still selling. Yeah. <laughs> Who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah. So good on all the muck. Cheers. That's Russ. <laughs> yeah. 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 It'll work if he puts his mind to it. I love, I love oh, it's, it. it. I love it for that reason. It's like. bloody gorgeous. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, they've apparently got some new machinery down at the factory that's uh, making the fruit sours next level. And it's, yeah, clearly. Really, really interesting conversation with a uh, guy from Brass Castle. So they're like another brewery. Oh, yeah, I've um, heard of them. They're working on replacing lactose in their beers and making them all gluten-free. Oh, okay. Which is crazy, but also awesome. Like, good on them for driving that. Angle. Is one of the brewers there lactose intolerant? I've got no idea. I met, <laughs> I met one of their brewers at my bar, and that's another thing about getting into that business is all of a sudden meet I'm meeting people. the people who I always wanted to meet. Yeah. And like to talk to him, and I think um, I work quite closely with a brewery called Turning Point, and again, like it's lovely being able to look at the cans and clearly Garbage see whether it's beers. vegan or whether it's you know like got lactose in it it's just like that simple communication whereas other beers i'm having to google and ask just to find out and i'm like yeah. is it gluten-free or is it not like can't see anything that i'm worried about on the label but especially in this day and age where you're right like allergens and things you've got to do it oh jesus yeah and just some people are on the back foot um i obviously did like that because it didn't last very long <laughs> so you've got your bar then basically yep. you've set out you've 
tackled the industry, you've worked, you know, probably every type. You've gone from the party bar to the sort of more laid back. You've got the uh, the craft beer scenario. Then you went back into the party scene with the even crazier um, yeah. Normans and District. I'd say punk rock, craft brewery, yeah. R and B, minimalist house. <laughs> <laughs> Where well, else wouldn't you work? Um, and again, that was purposeful. It was how do I get all that experience yeah, so I yeah. feel confident putting a certain amount of investment into something that I could call my own okay. without fucking it up. So how did the so against the grain is your bar? You are a yeah, bar owner. So how I, did this come about? Again, so um, again, like when you go back to your understanding of mortgages, it's figuring it all out. It's yeah. not just about being able to run it, it's about how will it work financially. Um, what's really cool about this um, is I actually work the business with another person. Um, they don't wanna be named and that's fine by me, but we're good friends from 2007 through music. Yes. Which is absolutely amazing. So like um, essentially um, we both wanted to open a bar that we would like to drink in ourselves and both of our experiences were well how do we keep the rabble out as such how do we stop the issues that we'd had previously with drugs with you know fights with just mindless behavior yeah yeah that isn't what we're about and that's not how we want to operate a venue our issue was we didn't want to deal with food we wanted to predominantly be a drinks bar where we could show off and showcase you know not just craft beer but also some of the best spirits in the world and if I can educate myself even further, the next step would be wine. Um, and I want to be confident that I'm serving, you know, these premium products at an accessible price. Yeah. It's all about getting people through the door and, you know, saying, I know you know and you know what you like, but just based on what you're drinking, I can probably recommend two or three other things that you might just blow your mind or, yeah. you know, you might just see as an alternative that you'll enjoy drinking. And um, that's part of my, the, the fun of having your business is being able to deal directly with the products and buying it in. Yeah. And like, that's what I always missed, say with companies at Fat Face, or if you work for an R&B bar, you've got to cater for that audience. If you work for a minimalist house club, you've got to cater for that audience. Yeah. I knew the audience I wanted to bring was the type of person that I experienced at Northern Monk who wanted to come in taste products that got their brains ticking they were conversation starters and they would sit for three or four hours sink five or six different styles of beer and they would leave in a really happy mood all best mates they politely say thanks for a great night bye and you'd know you'd done your job yeah yeah and i'm like all these bartenders i know who are getting shit every night from people who you know they turn up to get fucked they're not there to appreciate the bartender but that bartender might be doing a great job. They might be really passionate, but before they get the enthusiasm battered out of them, <laughs> I thought it'd be nice just to have a bar where where we control that. Yeah. We control the dynamic, we control the branding, we control the messaging, we control who we let in, which is everyone who isn't a dick. We let dogs in, we let kids in. It's like all the good things about being in hospitality is being hospitable and being kind and being friendly and offering something that nowhere else offers yeah. and th that was the remit for me and my business partner was we want to bring a team in who love their job and you know what if they're only here two months we want them to leave and go those guys really took care of me they trained me up they gave me exactly what I needed to do my job well and if I have someone there for three years I yeah. want them to leave and go I only left 
because I had to or because something changed and I wanted to. But whilst I was there, those guys took care of me, they trained me, they gave me all the options and opportunities I needed. And that for me is how I felt when, you know, I worked for some people. I felt really acknowledged and rewarded. Yeah. And I think as a business owner, that's what I want to strive for. But it is hard to do it on your own. So I've found someone who I've actually I've known since 2007. And they kept chasing me, asking if I would like to work with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even yeah. throughout lockdown, do you want to open a bar? <laughs> During lockdown? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then a year and a half in, two years in. You know, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. You just get to that point where you're like, Dan and John, you know, they secured me everything during lockdown. They really, really gave me a lifeline. Yeah. And then it's like, but someone is willing to do this. They're willing to jump ship. But we, we talked about it. We secured, you know, an income that would keep us afloat. But we were working a job and then going down building a bar after hours <laughs> for like four months yeah. probably the you know you know it's a pretty quick fit out considering it's just two guys yeah but we were just every hour just working at it just getting that thing it's like starting a band you're trying to find so the right I, band I worked, mix i worked the uh, the first the opening shift of uh, against the grain and you said that the builders that you had in were like Really, you're going to open? When are you when are you looking to open? Oh, and literally, it, yeah, yeah. Forty five minutes before we opened, there was me and uh, Abigail Twig. She's called absolute legend. Oh, district uh, also. Yeah, yeah, district. Yeah. She's now GM at Hedonist Bar. So oh, really? Again, oh, wow. what, what I love about Dan and John is like, yeah, yeah. I think we again, you attract like-minded people. They're yeah. independent. They bring on people on board who, again, I'm like, I rate those individuals. Mm. Like I've worked with them already and. Yeah, she came and helped out. She's done a few disco shifts for me, but it's that type of person that your customer comes in and resonates with. Yeah. And that's what brings that customer about. That's why, again, I asked you to help out because <laughs> every single time you do the right thing and you just want to surround yourself with people like that. Yeah, but, and, um, but yeah, you were saying it, it was like, it was it was really down to the wire. It was like, oh yeah, big and time. The, 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 the what guys what were opening like, isn't? <laughs> yeah, but it was like, it was like just sort of chipboard on the walls type stuff. It was very much a constraint, like, the day, the day before opening, what did it look like? Literally 45 minutes before opening, it looked like a building site. Yeah. And then I think my business partner was so stressed and he'd promised a lot of his mates, oh, it's going to be open on this day. Yeah, he'd been promising yeah. that for four years. <laughs> so I came on board in the October. We got through Christmas. We started building in February. And then March 22nd, I, th I think that was the day on a Friday maybe, 45 minutes. Obviously my, my business partner, he, he's a builder by trade. Mm. So he was doing long hours when I was working my other job and then I was coming in to run the evenings. And uh, it was just me and Abigail Twig and we fucking pulled that ship together in no time. <laughs> and uh, we opened, I think 20 past five, we meant to open at five. 20 past five, we were actually open. Yeah. but customers were already inside but we weren't ready and we just you know it's one of those things you're like you set up a bar six years experience really high volume bars this is the best way to lay out this bar 20 minutes in you're like this oh, is yeah. not how this bar should be set up well no i mean like we, we had the shift and it was like it was again just everything yeah yeah fluctuates. sorry steve was, uh, i'll work on that no no no, no. <laughs> it was just you know it was all of those it was you realize just how much there is when you've got like a, a literal new entity a bar is it's we were literally taking the the, the cellophane wrapping off the bar that oh day. yeah yeah literally, and, and, yeah. and all the bottles as well. <laughs> but yeah so it yeah was... that, that truly yeah i think like you don't think but you put you know 40 bottles up on the back bar 
so impressive. Yeah. I didn't open any of them. So when all the customers go, oh, I'd like that one, I'd like that one, and you go, oh, fuck. Yeah. Three minutes. Meticulously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the cellophane on a cap. Yeah, is do I have any speed off. pourers? No, forgot about them. All right, speed never mind. Speed pourers. <laughs> so just, but that's what I mean. It's like you need, um, back to uh, Ted and Drassi, um, he'd, he'd always said, when you walk into a bar, look for the, ten, the first 10 things that you spot that like needs adjusting or changing or whatever it will yeah, be. Yeah, okay. um, and it's, I can imagine he would do that. <laughs> and it's entirely stayed with me and it's not just bars, it's just everything, you know? It's like, if I, if for me, my day-to-day, -day, like checking websites, if I go onto something and it's like, right, that's off, that's off, that's off. It's always like the first run through is what just looks off, yeah. you know? Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's- It should be, I think with digital things like that, it should be intuitive because you've got a real wide understanding between the demographic who might end up on that website. Oh, but so should behind a bar. Yeah, uh, exactly. You've, you've, you've worked it half a decade, Paul. Yeah, I think what's interesting, so for me, I've always been really commercially orientated, but I think it's because I worked for a customer-facing retailer for so long. Okay. And I almost think that's what some bars forget about. Yes. It works perfect for what they want it to work. Yeah. But if the customer walks in and orders wine and they don't sell wine, how should the customer not know that before they get there? Is yeah. there a menu or is it written somewhere that they're not aware? Do you know what I mean? Wrong it's like bar, mate. little things like that. I think if you can just bear in mind, it might come up. Yeah. And you can prepare by not preparing, you're preparing to fail, aren't you? So, like wow, to put those little things in place, you might gain an extra customer or two. And that was the whole ethos for me was. I want a bar, almost like Northern Monk. I want it to attract yes, that yeah, yeah. customer. But then I thought, that's naive for me to think that that customer doesn't exist in spirits, in cocktails, so in did wines. You, did you kind of like have craft beer as a, a definite core part of what you were thinking? Uh, what we had was, ooh, craft beer might not sell here. People might turn their noses up at the price. You just don't know. So what we will do, we, like we fitted the cellar ourselves and we negotiated with people to be able to afford some crazy beers and some bog standard lager style beers. Yeah. And they're not like your Carlings and your Stella, they're different, but the whole point was, if someone comes in here asking for lager, yes. I don't want to see 16 lads walk out the door. I want to go, you know what, mate? I might not have Stella, but I've got something that's similar that I bet, I bet you'll love. Yeah, yeah. And off the back of that, mate, we've had so, such lovely groups come in who I think in a city centre, if you were naive, they'd walk through the door and you'd go, these are just going to be trouble. And they've been a big group of lads who were in shirts, you know, football shirts or something. Yeah. And every single one of them has walked up to me and gone, is this your bar? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is, mate. And they've gone, mate, this is awesome. And you know what? you ain't gonna get any trouble here, yeah. which is weird because all the other bars around here just get trouble. Talk about the location, because it is a quite um, strange one, especially I'd, given where you've come from. Yeah, I'd say there's a lot of, around every city there's suburbs and people live there. Yeah. And it's a market to be tapped. And I think historically people expect to have to go to a city center to have a big night out. I think that's a bit of a tired assumption. Like mm. why shouldn't you have something on your doorstep where you can go and sit for a few hours and have a nice night? and obviously our focus is drinking. Um, the, like I said, Norman Bar, the first GM, Matt Cliff, he, he was literally, when I was there, he was there for six months, then he went to do his own thing. And the day he left, I was like, he's literally doing what I wanna do. He's yeah. got that, you know, low overhead suburb unit 
he's going to kit it out himself and just see what happens yeah and I think the guy, it's called the Assembly, it's in Crossgates, and now he's got a second, I think in two or three years of opening, he's got a second unit in Garforth. Oh, wow. So there's a real progression Both there. Both called the Assembly? Um, I'm not sure what the second one's called, but it's it's the same business model. Okay. And you're like, this is just working a treat, and it's satisfying the customer who doesn't want to travel to town. Yeah. And I just think, what a great idea. And I like, think especially coming out of lockdown as well, because there was that complacency to actually get out. Oh yeah, big time. If you've got something on your doorstep that actually ticks the box. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, he's such a lovely guy, him and his wife run it, and I think both of them, like, I think she's got a social marketing background, so like, social media marketing background, so they've ticked the boxes really nicely, and the way he is with people attracts good people, Yeah. and that bar has just gone from strength to strength. It's, it's what I said to you, I think I... I think I said to you that what's going to be the, the sort of the unique selling point for yourself and against the grain is going to be your personality. It's you. You're the sort of the thing that's going to draw people in. Nice, it's thanks. no, no, it is. <laughs> it's you know at the end of the day, you it's like you make me feel awkward. Whoa, I love you. <laughs> um, but uh, it's you know it's people come in and as you say, it's like if you actually know what the product is and you actually can sell it and you give a fuck about your customers. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, it's um, I, I as much as you know, I love. Um, Santa's to death um, and I love the party vibe and the, the dive bar vibe there is a slight disconnect there when it comes to sort of the sort of the what I guess you'd say is the customer service element um, because it is a very it's a cool place it's like and you lose cool by giving a fuck it's, it's as simple as that it's like yeah. the second you kind of care about something you don't look cool yes yeah. it's like you know it's Santa's back in the day was just about like throwing shot glasses across the room and just smashing whatever it's just it's it was just a very irreverent yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. vibe and it, it it it's an uncool thing to give a fuck and to kind of care about customers but you do that and you always have and it really shone through that like this will truly be like Let's go down and see. No one's going to say let's go down to against the grain. They're going to go and they're going to say let's go down to see Owen. That's how people. That's how your customers are yeah. going to basically. F that, yeah, I, I suppose like it, that ideal is based upon how I want to run a business. So they might say that if I'm there all the time. But what I'm really yeah. proud of, and this is again, it it comes from my best mate when I worked at Fat getting Face. the staff in that follow that ethic. It's finding the right people, the, and it's. Yeah it's fucking grafting another two or three weeks on your own to find the right person to fill the gap and not yeah. just filling it with someone who needs, you know, they need something out of you. Yeah. Because that's always a short-term fix as, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it, it doesn't solve a solution. Uh, sorry, it doesn't solve a problem. It's not a solution. It's, a, it's just, you know, filling it with something temporary. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't even know who gave me that kind of ethos or understanding but i've always approached things and people get really wound up by it because they they think you're not solving the issue mm. and i'm like i am but i'm working on it there's a long view in place <laughs> yeah it's all yeah. about the long-term goal man and like that's why i'm like you know i keep saying when i was 32 like i'm 36 going on 37 i i literally can't even think in my head if i'm 37 you're, gonna, you're almost 40 <laughs> yeah you're like, almost 40 why pal. am i so stupid um <laughs> but like essentially the second I left the jobs I didn't see myself progressing in, I was like, how can I be in more control? Yeah. And I think that that comes from having to keep yourself busy and comes from not being able to progress because someone else is putting up walls. 
So by being your own boss, mm. you are in charge of those things. And like, I think what, a couple of weeks ago, you had Harry Johns here. He's part of that same scene. Like I've watched him go from strength to strength in bands, in cooking, across venues. Like the guy just doesn't stop working, doesn't yeah. stop chipping away at it. Yeah, yeah. And like massive respect to the dude and all the people he knows. Like there's bar owners, Johnny and Ross, Dave Holmes at Santiago's, Mahmood who owns Norman's. Like he might have a bad rep amongst certain people. For me, he was the one of the biggest hands-on mentors I ever had. You were in his office at 12 on a Tuesday, regardless of how hungover you were, yeah. you know, how tired you were from the weekend. And he was driving numbers, trying to work out where the opportunities lay. And you know, like you, you work with someone like that and you see a totally different side to things whether or not you like him like I, I thankfully <laughs> had a really great relationship with him and again another one where I left and I thought he was going to hate me but he, you know he was really really polite and really said really nice things um, but I learned loads from him where other people might look at him and you know out of spite just be like oh I'm not keen on the way he does business Yeah, and I'm like that, that dude knows how to run a business you might not like the way he does it but then it's not for you yeah, yeah. and I think um, I'm really thankful that every single person I've worked for I've learned a lot from oh yeah yeah Big it's one, time. I think it's one of those ethics that I've always tried to carry of like down to the sort of the the trite level of every book that you read or film that you watch um, try and appreciate something from it but then also as you say it's then if you go into a job or a working scenario of like just picking up a shift or whatever it is try and just glean the positives yeah. from it and you know, it's that's what it's all about. It's what yeah. everything's about. But I, I think with that attitude, often without any experience at all, you'll probably stand out above other people because of your attitude, not your experience. Yes. And yeah. a good manager will go, well, he doesn't need experience with that attitude because I can train him to do the thing. Like all of those skills exactly. you can learn. And again, I think it ties back into like the, the sort of the DIY music scenes that we both came from. And again, Harry Johns comes from these uh, same places. Um, and it's um, it instills in you in an early age it's like if you just this needs to be done and you technically can do it so can you fucking do it and then you do it and then you realise it can be done by you and then you kind of realise you can kind of maybe do something else as well and it's before you realise it you kind of you've rung up a venue and booked it, booked it for a gig and then you've run the sound desk and you've run the door and you've kind of whatever whatever and before you know it you've put on a gig and before you know it you've organized a uk tour and before you know it you've xyz you know all of the things and then you kind of traverse that mindset and that approach into the bar world and it's like you can really see how the world actually runs you yeah. know it's it's just people that have the confidence to kind of say yeah i can do that yeah and i guess as you say it's sometimes you need like there's an extra party that's going to be involved that says look we could do this and this is an opportunity that maybe you should get involved with but that is going to come from them actually seeing in you that you can do those things and yeah. that you're willing to do those things and want to do those things yeah i'm really lucky we've got a really good relationship with my business partner like he's a builder by trade and i had this conversation with a couple of bar owners like if they'd had a builder on their team oh god yeah we'd have taken over the world man like yeah. it was literally like Oh, you can fix a toilet. Oh, you can build. You can fix a door. That's amazing. <laughs> like I mean, the lead, the lead scene has. To... I can mix 
sugar, citrus, and a spirit maker drink. But you can like you can mount it all. That's incredible. Like you know, like be, uh, big enough that Eagles Lee, the plumber, though he's going to oh, be suddenly. Uh, I see him all look, the time, mate. To, uh, <laughs> partner up and get into business with some bar owners. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it's the way forward. You know, that's the dirty work. That's yeah. the bit. That that's the side that people don't. I mean, like that's doing. that's the uh, Nick. Nick was um, Nick Pounder is honestly one of the best people I have ever met. One of the most hands-on. Like, hands-on. He, he is so practically if orientated. If literally anything went wrong in a bar, he'd be like, right, give me a spanner, I'm going to go fix that yeah. shit. It's... So, for example, like the, that's the level of person that inspires me. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what his credentials are, but as a one-on-one... -on -one, he just does shit. He just... Yeah, the, the way he treats me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm already looking at him up there. I'm like... Y yeah, you are no, on that I, I, I absolutely fucking love Nick. I've got I've got respect and love for Nick till the end of times. He's a great guy. Yeah, it, Nick's a really good example. So me and John Lee, who runs the distillery, you know, we've been working on a. We've got a bespoke still from Portugal. What's a still? Handmade. So is a still the whole? A still is this cool copper pot thing that you see on okay. all the pictures. And that is essentially so you, what's going to get you. you Google, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you Google gin distillery, images are going to yeah. be like some big. Because you, sh you sent it, it me a picture like earlier. Alchemy, man. It looks you like sent me a picture. You were like, alchemy. "Oh, I'm distilling right now. I'm running a bit late." I was like, "The fuck you?" <laughs> yeah, you said, "Oh, I'm, I'm dealing with the stills," and I realised then that's where the word probably comes from. Yeah. Oh, that will be it. Probably like um, yeah, yeah. So John Lee. He, you know. He's a master of distilling, rectification, all, all these words I didn't like, know but they, before but they I started working these, like, these brass... Yeah, it's called the copper pot still. They Google look it, it's the best thing ever. They it's look cool. Victorian <laughs> as a motherfucker. They just look so old school. Yeah, man. And it's all about, like, how do you put a what an alcoholic ferment? So, like, it could be the wort from your beer, you know, yeah, or that, yeah. those low ABV things. And how do you make it even more alcoholic? Well, yeah. you boil Fermented. it. And the vapors that come off because it's 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 alcoholic it's got a lower boiling point than water those vapors come off first and then some genius went oh well let's condense put a the neck vapors. on it and cool that side and then the vapors will come back out at a really high abv and we can do something with that it's all madness i don't get it but now i know how it works yeah john is all about that but i'm stood there with nick who yeah. to me is just this like you know this this guy this local dude who i know who's a really good friend Pounder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Pounder being his element in that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're like, how do we fit this? How do we cool this system that's been handmade by a guy from Portugal and shipped here? Me and John don't know anything about this stuff. Yeah. And within two days, Nick's like giving me a few tips, yeah, <laughs> with all his bits. And I'm like, just show me how you do this on over the future. Yeah. So this guy, this normal dude, just has all these skills and all this experience that distillers don't exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. wannabe distillers um and yeah just well, do 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 don't wannabe if you're distilling you're distillers exactly i like <laughs> i like your optimism of that um and you're just watching someone who's gone out and learned these things for themselves and that, that that's the thing for me is i like having someone to partner up with someone to attack a goal and achieve it yeah if i did it on my own and i didn't make it i'd be very very frustrated well that's why i've got nicole <laughs> yeah well honestly it works if you've got the way i look at that is if you've got an ambition or a goal or a mission if it's just you fair enough if you've got two of you and you just both seem to be singing off the same hymn sheet or whatever you're going to reach that goal it's the same with a team if there's one great idea that you love and one idea you're not so keen on but everyone else is so keen on that idea i'd say you know what 
don't fucking go for your idea go for the one that everyone else is going to help you with because yeah. guaranteed that's what's going to sell that's what's going to shift numbers because everyone is into it everyone is talking about it and that's why I like like that working with someone else mm. because you bounce ideas off each other and if you've got that patience to go maybe I'm not always right maybe there's a better idea out there somewhere and if you both can just agree that actually or have a conversation and just weigh it up sometimes the outcome is different to what you expected mm. because you're both pushing it it works yeah 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 and even those bad ideas get somewhere even the ideas you oh, think hell wouldn't yeah. work absolutely I'm like, you can still I've, learn stuff off bad ideas i've i've had my ass handed to a few times with things like that where i've gone wow i didn't see that coming but that has done the trick <laughs> and i love that i love being if someone could prove me wrong that's awesome because sometimes i get a bit stubborn and a bit adamant yeah. but it's from trying things so many times i always try and make an informed decision so if someone shows me something new that i didn't know i'm i love it that's what i like thrive for every day it's the same in bands like yeah. you want to try a different style you don't want to sound like anyone else but you always take inspiration from other people yes and it's about how do you make it your own or how do you make a you know that unique selling point that's what everyone's striving for and that's yeah. what i i think is really nice about the bar business or the band businesses it's all about being creative but it's got to be commercial yeah but you want to be cool <laughs> so it's it's do you know but, what I mean? Like, but sometimes you know cool can go fuck yourself it's just, yeah it's, yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's better to be nice <laughs> let's uh, let's piece it out with um wrap it up sellers on uh, against the grain um i would just say suburban bar that offers some real good stuff whether it be beer wine cocktails um we've been around the scene for a, year, a lot of years we've drunk in a lot of different bars a lot of different clubs hung out with lots of different people who like to tell stories and i guarantee you it's a bar there's going to be a lot of stories told people are going to enjoy a lot of booze and they're probably going to try things they've never tried before and just have an even better night because of it yeah you've got a killer fucking beer fridge it's yeah um... i think there's over 50 beers on site at any one time and that room is probably not even twice the size of this room we're sat in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you've got it. You seriously blew me away the selection you've got, and you keep posting as well. So yeah, like man. If, if every single on week. The socials. Uh... It, it, my favorite thing about that place, mate, is I am not from that area, but we wanted to build a community bar, and we wanted to build it around somewhere you could go and not feel you know unsafe so what, what's what's the so it's pudsey what are they like the catchment areas catchment pudsey, areas bramley pudsey, bramley swino farsley uh you can get the train to bramley it's about 150 meter walk from the train station i was gonna google it quickly but i forgot what's the bus to get there do you know from i don't know the bus ah, but the postcode is ls13 4ep and what's the so it's like it's a it's swino grange mills swino grange mills uh, yeah perfect but and uh, loads of parking there. It's got fifty parking bays just got, outside it's, it's like a, of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, got, it's, it's a big old like uh, court of a place, isn't it? Yeah, there's it, loads of stuff going on. It, there. It's one of those things like um, you'll it, notice yeah, it, it around. Get a tattoo. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you can get a tattoo and a haircut. Yeah, yeah, no, I um, met, I met you both. You can buy those. bakes. <laughs> um, it's just one of those things you're going to see a lot of areas transforming units that they think there's an opportunity with, and yeah. mills are great because there's already businesses there. You've got a what do you call it like a it's a demographic that are already on your doorstep yes and if you can get them through the door then you might attract other people it's like a school it's like you just got a catchment area mentality yeah yeah 
Without a doubt, except I have people who have grown up in that area who don't want to travel to town, people who have, you know, relationships in that area and they just want to meet people who will walk their dog in that area and it'd be yeah. nice to have a stop off halfway through and then walk back. My favourite thing, like like I said, community is a massive thing. Um, my community was like the friends I grew up with, the friends I met through bands, the friends I met through work. And if there was a place that we could all meet, it's exactly what we've created is that's it. Yeah. And that's what I feel like we're watching people organize their dog walks to meet <laughs> halfway at our bar and have a coffee or a beer with two or three different houses. Yeah. And I'm like, that's awesome. Because dog walking used to be, you know, you, you work your job, you come home, you walk your dog, you go back home. Now it's like, you know, they're, they're meeting it's, up it's once become a, a week. It's become an event. <laughs> And they never did that before because yeah, they don't yeah. drink in the pubs around where we are. So I've got dog walkers meeting. I've This is a lovely story. I've got, this is two or three different sets of couples. Um, they've all had newly born babies. The guys will come down, have a drink. Then they walk back. And this can be like about a 25 minute walk to Pudsey or to, to uh, Rodley. Yeah. The guys will go back. They'll look after the kid. The girls will come down they'll chat and they do that once a week wow and they never did that before and it's an opportunity just to have a break out of the house they work remotely they've got a newborn child it gives them just an hour just to come and break away from it all mm. and it's not too far that you know their other halves can stay at home and then their other halves can have a break and i think that's exactly what we need is this like keeping people social uh, but making it fun and not making it expensive as well so like what, what we're aiming for is you know new products but at an accessible price yeah and it's all about just getting people through the door and just try something new and i really really think that's you know for me that is the bar that i wanted to create i wanted to create somewhere where anyone could come feel accommodated feel safe and have a really good time right well i reckon that's about as good a place as any to leave it yeah thank you cheers dude cheers dude i like the beers as well <laughs> <laughs> Raid of crafters. Yeah, Ding, ding,